Welcome to my Zoom friends. Dorothy's in the house. Sexy Monique is in the house. They can't see you. I can't. <laughs> like, can we do a full picture of our group on Zoom so we can show how pretty Melanie Miller is and how sexy Monique is? Welcome, Lise. I miss you, Lise. It's been a while. Hi, Sandy. Welcome, Trish. I'm so excited. It's been a while. I haven't done the podcast. So yes, when I'm back means everything starts later and finishes later. Ha, 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 ha. And there's Melanie, my friend, go, going, I'm just going to shut up and get on with it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Maria Mariano, 40 years in this multi-level marketing business. I'm so excited. If you didn't see the recognition yet on the Rotoperware Les Diamants, on Tuesday, we were recognized on a worldwide forum, number one in the world. And I was able to share a few words with the audience. And in fact, those words were for all of you, what it takes to be successful. And diving deeper into the subject of emotional management, definitely, without emotional management, we cannot be successful and live our dream life. So today, it's kind of a combination of uh, um, uh, th this word, cognitive empathy, emotional empathy like there's a few words for me maria the italian it's like oh my god okay can i find another word another word um can emotion can emotions also be intelligent melanie miller is going to give you the description the difference between men and women when one is more uh, iq focused than eq focused that's going to be way way interesting for you and then of course marie pierre is going to do us an extra is going to be asking us to do an exercise to evaluate whether we are people that are self-aware or if we get drowned in our problems or if we just, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have to live with this problem. So I'm really excited with today's podcast. So I'm going to take it off with uh, asking you this. Remember the last time you were with a loved one who had a feeling of sadness or hopelessness? Anybody remember that? In their life, I remember Julie Chaillet. She's 37 years old at this point. Oh, no, actually 33 years old at this point. Uh, she just gave birth to her daughter, and she was diagnosed with a stage 3, grade 3 cancer, where she needed to have her entire breast removed on top of over a year and a half of chemotherapy every other week. Okay? You know... If you, if you personally live something like this or somebody that just said to you, she got divorced, you know, that couple that's been married for 30 years, 
30 years. That couple, you saw them as, you know, Mrs. and Miss, Mr. James Bond and Bonnet type of thing. And, and she announces this to you. Or uh, uh, how about a loss of a loved one? I mean, how, how, how do you deal with somebody who says to you, I just lost my son in a car accident? You know, in my business, I, I've been through all these these types of emotion. OK, um, their tears created a response with us. We felt moved to want to comfort them somehow. Right. We felt moved. There is there's different forms of empathy. We are familiar with the ability of putting ourselves in their shoes. OK, that's when we start crying with them. But if we want to be able to. Yes, cry with them, but also move them to move forward, okay? And one of the important things here to remember is we never tell somebody who's just divorced, you're going to get over it. It's not true. You'll never get over it. But you will learn to live with it alongside you and get stronger. So somebody who says um, somebody died very close to them, say, oh, you're going to get over it. You never get over it. My mom passed away in, in 1995. We're in 2022. My mom is always here. You learn to live with it and take the best out of it. So research has identified different forms of empathy, but there are two primary forms. So if you're digging in, leaning in and taking notes, there's cognitive empathy, just as important as emotional empathy. They are quite different, but both are equally important for helping us form and maintain connections with others, okay? So Melanie Miller shares with me, um, I remember in the beginning, remember Hannah, her lupus, and sometimes you would call me, say, Maria, I had to go to the hospital. I, 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 without knowing it, I wish I had read this book earlier, what I was actually using was cognitive empathy and emotional empathy, where you feel her, her, her distress, because it is her child, and there's nothing you can do about it, Melanie. But at the same time, you offer support for the business and making sure that, you know, Melanie comes back to work and doesn't drown in, in, in this problem. So what happened between me and Melanie, it strengthened our, the empathy, empathy strengthened us, which means we, we were, were able to collaborate better together with time, be, be more creative together, feel, she felt safe with me, I felt safe with her. So skills strengthened by empathy are what? So if you're leaning in, this is what, what skills you're going to develop. Negotiation skills, okay? You're going to strengthen collaboration skills. You're going to strengthen creativity skills. Look at our team on Friday morning, Marie-Pierre, Melanie, preparing rally. Oh, you guys that are attending rally tonight, you're going to be floored. It's so amazing what's going to be happening tonight, okay? We are creative together. Uh, you're going to strengthen the skills of making people feel safe when they're led by you. You're going to have emotional connection with your people, and you're going to be able to identify their needs much more easy. Don't forget, this goes for your family, your children, your husband, your wives, okay? Empathy, empathy helps connect people, moving them towards each other in helping and healing capacity. Everybody, anybody on the Zoom here feel me what I'm saying right now? Do you feel me? Okay, because it's important for you to feel this. And then Stephen Covey, Melanie Miller. What does Stephen Covey says? He says, when you show deep empathy towards other, their defense energy goes down and their positive energy replaces the negativity. 
okay? This is where we get more creative and problem solving. So you must exercise emotional empathy, but as important, cognitive empathy. Melanie, can, can you give me another word for cognitive empathy? Because it's not natural in my mouth. Open your, uh, your pod bean. Okay, anyways, look it up. Okay, I can't hear you in my, in my earphones. Okay, uh, so cognitive ep- empathy, three points. Number one, taking, other, taking another person's perspective. That's cognitive empathy. Imagining what it's like in another person's shoes. That's cognitive empathy. Now I hear you. I hear you tapping in your computer, Melanie. <laughs> okay. And cognitive empathy is understanding someone's feeling. What is emotional empathy? Emotional empathy is sharing an emotional experience with the other person. Emotional empathy is feeling distress in response to someone's pain. I know I could never be a nurse because I feel your pain. (laughs) This doesn't work, okay? If I feel your pain, I can't be a nurse. And uh, emotional empathy is experiencing a willingness to help someone. So moving forward, we will be learning, we're going to learn how to know and understand one's emotions, managing our emotions, and motivating ourselves to move forward, recognizing emotions in others, and handling relationships. So those are the five points when you're able to have a nice balance between cognitive, I'm waiting for my friend when she comes on, she'll give me another word. If not, I'm going to Google it, right? Cognitive. Yeah. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Mel. Okay, so uh, according to Google, <laughs> cognitive empathy is perspective taking. So you look, you take the perspective of uh, the other person and of yourself. So I don't know if that helps. There was no direct, uh, per- so perspective taking. So th- that sounds better in my brain, perspective, you know. It's, it's, it's a facet. I love it. So again, I repeat, they're going to move you towards five elements. Knowing one's emotion. Number two, managing emotions. Number three, motivating oneself. Number four, recognizing emotions in others. You know, Monique, I know that it's not a good time to talk to you now. How do you know? You become to that point where you know you recognize that with your husband or with your wife, it's not a good moment right now to bring up this issue. Anybody get what I'm saying? Okay, thank you. And number five, handling relationship. My friend Melanie Miller now is going to go into IQ versus EQ in men and women. Okay, uh, thank you, Maria. You're giving me, uh, uh, um, how can I say, um, experimenting with turning the microphone on and off too many times this morning. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, I, um, emotional intelligence and internet uh, and IQ or in intellectual intelligence are two different things. And just because you have a high IQ does not mean that you're going to have a high emotional intelligence, nor does it mean that you're going to have a low emotional intelligence. The two things are actually quite separate. And um, there are, as you know, lots and lots of um, tests 
for IQ, but there really aren't any tests for EI. And so, you know, we're left wondering how can we measure what emotional intelligence is? And the reality is it's a difficult thing to measure because as uh, I was just saying to Maria, that a lot of it is about people's perspective. And um, that is not a measurable um, thing. So, uh, what uh, what the book does is it describes for us what the different characteristics are of high intelligence and high emotional people and the converse of that. So I'm actually just going to read for you the descriptions because they're pretty good, the descriptions. And then I'm going to mention to you some people in a public life that maybe you will identify as these people. So the high IQ, and, and you should know that male and females are quite, uh, not quite different, but a little bit different in the way they uh, show these uh, characteristics. So the high IQ pure type, as they call it, um, is, is uh, in a man will show, uh, uh, the high IQ man is typified by a wide range of intellectual interests and abilities. He is ambitious and productive. He's predictable and dogged and untroubled by concerns about himself. He also tends to be critical and condescending, um, fastidious and inhibited, uneasy with sexuality and sensual experience, unexpressive and detached and emotionally bland and cold. Sounds like a great guy. Well, I'm sure any of you who, um, who watch The Big Bang Theory would automatically think of Sheldon Cooper because Sheldon Cooper is that person. He, is, he gets upset if somebody sits in his seat on the sofa, like there's only one place he can sit. He's really fastidious. And how his girlfriend puts up with him and his problems with uh, sexuality uh, is beyond me. So he's a really, really good example in your face of a high IQ person. By contrast, Men who are high emotional in emotional talents are socially poised, outgoing and cheerful, not prone to fearfulness or worried rumination. They have a notable capacity for commitment to people or causes, for taking responsibility and for having an ethical outlook. They are sympathetic and caring in their relationships. Their emotional life is rich but appropriate. They are comfortable with themselves, others, and the social universe they live in. So I was um, looking for somebody with uh, high emotional intelligence, and I came across um, Alex Hitchens, who is in the movie Hitch. And he is a very outgoing um, social person. And, and he said this, uh, one of the lines he said is this, um, and he's talking with somebody else who asked the question, what should we toast to? And he replies, never lie, steal, cheat or drink. If you must steal, steal away from bad company. If you must cheat, cheat death 
And if you must drink, drink in the moments that take your breath away. So somebody who's really in touch with his emotional intelligence. And, you know, then if we look at the purely high IQ women, um, they have the expected intellectual confidence. They're fluent in expressing their thoughts. They value intellectual manners and have a wide range of intellectual and aesthetic interests. They also tend to be introspective, prone to anxiety, rumination and guilt, and hesitate to express their anger openly, although they do so direct, indirectly. Now, I, I couldn't find anybody. I kept trying to Google to find some a woman that fit this profile. Um, but I do, I have a friend who's just like this. And she, she is so intellectually, she is so intellectually um, advanced. And whenever I talk to her, I'm just like amazed at the things she knows. But she she's inappropriate at times without even realizing. And, uh, you know, that is probably uh, her high in emotional, um, uh, her high intellectual intelligence. And of course, having done a PhD, I met a lot of highly intellectual people who um, really, they, they need to learn a lot about uh, social and emotional intelligence. But an emotional intelligent women, by contrast, tend to be assertive and express their feelings directly about themselves. Life holds meaning for them. Like the men, they are outgoing and gregarious and express their feelings appropriately rather than, say, in outbursts and later regret, and they adapt well to stress. Their social poise lets them easily reach out to new people. They are comfortable enough with themselves to be playful, spontaneous, and open to sensual experience. Unlike the women purely high in IQ, they rarely feel anxious or guilty or sink into rumination. Okay, so the obvious person is Maria. Maria has high emotional intelligence as a woman. And uh, I did actually uh, look up also uh, somebody else. And if you remember Erin uh, Brockovich, she in the film Erin Brockovich, she is a woman with high emotional intelligence. And she said things like, I'm smart, I'm hardworking, and I'll do anything. I'm not leaving here without a job. So she was assertive, she was sure of herself, and she got what she wanted without necessarily having the smarts to go with it by having high emotional intelligence. So in life, it's rare that people are so polarized to high emotional intelligence or intellectual um, intellectual and usually we're a combination of the two but to explain a little bit more about that and how you can be self-aware i'm going to pass over to my friend marie pierre thank you Melanie, and 
just before I start, I want to make sure that everyone shared the podcast this morning. So if you haven't shared, that's the time to do it. So if you are on Podbean, it gives you heart to be in the draw at the end of the month for the conditioning program. And on Facebook, always add a comment when you share so people will know why they should listen to the podcast this morning. So yes, there's different way to handle emotion. And the goal is to be self-aware, but there are three general style for dealing with emotion. Yes, first, self-aware. So this is the preferable style of dealing with emotion. So these people are aware of their moods as they happen, but can be mindful about how they deal with them. They are more sure of, of their boundaries since they know how they will feel. So they tend to, to and they tend towards a positive outlook on life since they know they can manage whatever moods are thrown at them. They don't dwell on bad moods and can get out of rut faster. They can get they can be mindful of their emotion and manage them successfully. So that's the goal. The second way is hangover. So people who deal with emotion this way generally feel lost and overwhelmed inside their emotional responses. They aren't emotionally self-aware of what's happening to them. Their moods shift often and overpower them. They do little uh, to change their feelings and feel out of control often. And the third general style for dealing with emotion is accepting. So these people are more clear on what they're feeling, but they also don't feel like anything needs to change. They are the kind of person that carry their cross all their life. So usually this category falls into two smaller categories. So people who are usually in good mood, so they don't have any motivation to change their mood, or people who are usually in bad moods but are, are resigned to feeling like there's nothing they can do about it. So they might as, as well accept it. So yes, the goal is to be self-aware. But how can you tell if you fall on, onto one of the other categories? So I have an example for you to help figure it out. So imagine you are on a flight and the pilot makes an announcement on the intercom that there's turbulence ahead and everyone needs to return to their seat and fasten their seatbelt. So the plane hits this turbulence and it's the roughest you ever experienced. The plane is getting tossed around like a beach ball on the waves. So what do you do? Are you the kind of person who buries themselves in a book, magazine, or movie, tuning out the turbulence and assuming it will be fine? Or do you anxiously review all the emergency protocol, watch the flight attendant to see if they're panicking, obsessively listen to the plane to, uh, to if, they, if you can hear something go wrong? So is one of the answer <laughs> is your <laughs> kind of... of um, uh, how you will react. So if you fall into the first category, you deal with emotion by accepting them. And if you fall into the second category, you get engulfed by your emotion. But the goal is to be self-aware. So neither of this reaction is the goal. So if you didn't um, feel like it's you, one of them, it's good too, <laughs> because maybe you are just more self-aware. So as you become more self-aware of your emotion, you will discover that there once that uh, what once felt like anger might actually be a different sub subtler feeling. 
So part of knowing your emotion is increasing your emotional vocabulary, words you use to specifically identify what you're feeling. So for example, anger could also be outrage, exasperation or annoyance. Sadness could also be cheerlessness, self-pity or despair. Fear could also be concern, misgiving or edginess. Love could also be acceptance, trust or kindness. There are obviously more emotion than that list, but it, it's a good place to start to expand your emotional vocabulary. So if you really want to increase self-awareness for yourself, so there's four ways you can um, increase self-awareness today. So first, a thought diary is the place to begin increasing your self-awareness. So keep track of your thoughts that pop up in to, uh, in the form of an automatic reaction and of course that's the conditioning program so if you don't have uh, maybe a diary so with nothing in it and just write I know I will never write <laughs> in a diary because I don't know where to start so a conditioning program is a great way for me to have that thought diary because there's question at the end of the day so I know that I, I have something to write <laughs> it's really easier to start with that. Number two, it's starting a mindfulness practice is another great way to increase your self-awareness. So there's a variety of activity that you can do to practice mindfulness. For example, meditation, yoga, or uh, sports that you can use. And number three, it's asking a friend to clarify your strengths and weaknesses that um, it can be a great pathway to self-awareness because yes many people believe they are self-aware but having an outside perspective is helpful in a clearer understanding of external self-awareness and number four this is for those who are for those leader so if you have a subordinate or team member so ask them to rate your leadership skills so when people are at the top it's kind of difficult to uh, estimate your ability so because you don't have many opportunities to um, have uh, external awareness. So this is the fourth way to uh, increase your self-awareness. Thank you, Marie-Pierre. We're going to find that document on... Yes, I will drop that document on the group L'Emiliana des Diamants Inspirational Group. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. And if you, if you haven't joined yet, I'm telling you right now, it's a bilingual group. Because if you're going to fall on some English and you're French speaking, keep scrolling. You're going to get everything in French and in English. So it's a bilingual group. So the English learn French and the French learn English. Whoa! And today it's awesome. Want to know why? Because there's this translation button. I love that little... Uh, Thing that you just push and it translates for you. So in closing, I go to my favorite person, which is Socrates. And he says, Socrates says, true wisdom is knowing what you do not know. Knowing what you do not know. Knowing what you do, what, what you do genuinely know and knowing what you have yet to learn. And this is what I love about you, Melanie Miller. You know, you have a doctorate's degree and here you are knowing what you do not know. It takes highly intelligent people. Now, it's not because you have a doctorate's degree that, that you are highly intelligent. 
It's because you are self-aware. And this is where we want to bring everyone to this level. And by the end of this podcast, by the time we finish this segment on emotional intelligence, the truly intelligent people has nothing to do with a PhD or not. It has to do with being absolutely self-aware, right, Maripia, of what I do know and what I do not know. Therefore, it's the ability to recognize, understand, and manage one's emotional responses so as to better be able to recognize, understand, and influence the emotions of others. Ever been in a fight in your own family? Be that one that calms everybody down and it ends up in a big joke. Being self-aware, this is what you bring to the table. Knowing thyself, sounds like a a paragraph in in the Bible, knowing thyself. Self-awareness is the starting point of living your dream life. So if you're still not into this podcast on Thursday and Friday, let me repeat this, okay? This knowing thyself, being self-aware is the starting point of your dream life. What am I feeling? What am I feeling? What am I feeling right now? That is true intelligence. I love you guys. I'm so happy to be back. God willing, we'll see each other next week. If you enjoyed, please share. Off to the French. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. And for my Tupperware friends, we'll see each other tonight. (laughs) 